This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hello, and welcome to Dune Talk. Uh, it's hard to believe, but this is actually already our 10th uh, episode of the show. Uh, so I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the whole team that you'll, uh, you'll see here in the, on the show, as well as the special guests that we've had over the past episodes. And uh, yeah, big, big thanks to, to everybody who's either watched or, or listened uh, along with us. It really means a lot. And there's uh, just the beginning. There, there's so much more, more to come. Um, yeah, and if you haven't already, like take a moment to subscribe to us on YouTube or your preferred uh, podcast server and just spread spread the word. Like for um, for shows like us, it's, it's really all about uh, word of mouth and uh, and any anybody you, you let know really helps. So um, I'm... Marcus Gabriel, uh, editor of uh, Dune Newsnet, and uh, yeah, this is the official show where, where we bring you all the, the news, interviews, reviews about uh, Dune, the, the movie, the, the books, uh, comics, games, and everything else. And I'm here to, uh, today with Simon. Hey guys, uh, like Marcus said, thank you. I hate to be that YouTuber, but please like and subscribe <laughs> if it does help a lot. Uh, hey guys, by the time in a week this little film that we keep talking about will be out in Europe, most of Europe. I know we'll talk about it a little bit more, but my family in France, especially my 16-year-old nephew, has seen it, I think, on opening day. Hey, it's Garen Granada. I'm with Dune Companion, and uh, just always excited. Appreciate everyone who's who's watching and and commenting on our, on our episodes, so uh, appreciate all the support. It's a blast for us. Yeah, I echo those sentiments entirely. Of course, it's certainly taken off in the last month or so. Um, didn't really anticipate doing it like this. And uh, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunity um, and uh, for everyone supporting us and watching and commenting. It obviously means a lot. And, I mean, I, I would enjoy just talking to these guys and not recording anything, but uh, it, it definitely makes a difference when people are also kind of engaging with it and, and having their own thoughts too. So um yeah the movie is really just i mean it's going to be out in public for people to see next week which is wild even though it's not i'm not going to be able to see it for over a month um and anyone in the u.s um but yeah it's uh it, we have so we have a ways to go and and then from there i mean that possibilities are endless this is just the beginning as as chani might say so yeah and uh, the news really hasn't slowed slowed down so of course we had the the world premiere in uh, in Venice. We did our special episode that that's, uh, that just came out, and uh, yeah, we're just getting more more content uh, every day. There, there, there's not a single day that I've woken up this week that there wasn't new stuff about uh, Dune. So it's, it's just just an exciting time for for Dune fans, and like uh, yeah, happy happy to share everything uh, with all of you. So let's uh, jump into the news. Dune movie news. So our first story for today is um, there, there was a new featurette that, that was released uh, called The Royal Houses. So it's uh, basically a four and a half uh, minute clip. It includes uh, footage from the, from the movie, some that we've already seen from the trailer, some complete new footage and some behind the scenes um, uh, footage as well. And we also have the, the director and uh, the stars, including uh, Timothy Chalamet, Re Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, and, uh, and others uh, who are talking about their characters and providing context. Uh, it, it did a really good job of uh, introducing um, the main narrative uh, of the story. Uh, so, uh, Garen, let me start with you. What, what were your first, first thoughts on this uh, featurette? 
Yeah, you know, maybe you guys saw this coming. I didn't. I didn't necessarily see them doing this, and and I'm not saying that this was necessary to do as an introduction because the story of Dune or this this adaptation is too complex. I don't. I don't think it needs this, but I, I like the fact that this at least helps a newcomer to understand. Okay, so there's these houses. There's this long history of, of uh, conflict between these two houses. It's kind of setting up the, the good guys and the bad guys. And um, so I think for, for newbies, this is a good thing. This is gonna help them to become more familiar with these characters and, and be excited about uh, seeing the film. Um, for me, I, I'm familiar with all of that. So to me, I love that they revealed new footage. And uh, you know, I, I loved all the, you know the the Daft Punk uh, memes that should, you know where we saw the the guild the, the guild navigators in their in their outfits. I, I just I just think the design and Johnny, you've talked about uh, you know what's gone into all of these uh, costume designs and everything, and it's just it's exciting for me to see that. Um, there's some more ornithopter shots, so I just love the fact that this is accomplishing two things. It's helping people to become more familiar with the dynamic of the story, but it's also giving me as a longtime fan, uh, some more images, and albeit brief, but they're great images. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a great thing to to release at this point in the marketing game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that that uh, that shot of the the guild because it, we're not maybe not going to get a lot of them in this uh, in this movie, but I think there's going to be a lot of hints that there, there's a lot more to, to come. And like you're saying, I think that this is a great introduction for for newbies to the franchise because you, you have the uh, the actors who are talking about this so there's that recognition you know these are stars that i've seen in, in other movies and you have that that basic explanation of, of the different um, uh, factions and i think it will resonate with with a lot of people who maybe have watched for example game of thrones and also had that situation with the uh, the conflict of um, of the houses so uh johnny what, what did you get out of this uh this uh featurehead yeah, you just mentioned Game of Thrones, and it's interesting because we got to see this for the first time a few days ago, and I don't really know where it came from. I think it was Warner Brothers Thailand was kind of the original source. They've been the original source for a lot of stuff um, in the recent weeks, which has been pretty, it's been random, but it, it's been more than welcome, of course. <laughs> and um, this, I think, honestly, by far, I think, you know, I love the trailers, but I think this has been the best um, example of Dune like what it actually is like this because you're seeing like clips standing on their own um and then you're getting the interviews with the actors it's not like really quick cut so much you get kind of get a little bit more time to breathe in certain scenes you get a better idea of like the tone the dialogue the relationships um i mean it's four minutes long as well so you're getting it's longer than you know your typical trailer um but i just really really love this and i think anyone who saw it um really loved it too uh you know newer fans or older fans i think this got kind of like the perfect you know um you know balance as you were pointing out today hbo actually posted this and kind of their they post on all their social media and their caption was alluding to the fact that you know hey you guys know us from game of thrones well <laughs> this is kind of kind of like game of thrones you might like this and even the game of thrones uh, the Game of Thrones social media accounts then reposted those or retweeted uh, the HBO Max. Um, they said Neil to House Atreides, you know, just like in the in the in the TV show. So I thought that was really kind of cool. And Warner 
Warner Media, of course, owns, you know, um, game, you know, they did Game of Thrones and they are doing Dune. And so there's that synergy going on. You know, corporate synergy is always uh, good to see when you have something this big that's relying on on getting a lot of eyeballs. Um, and yeah, I, I think everything I saw in this and, and heard in this was like, wow, like 10 out of 10. All the all the comments that I've seen, whether it was on YouTube, several different channels posted it. Everyone was like, oh my God, like, wow, wow. Like, this is better. This is like the best thing I've seen yet. Or like, oh, that that clip, like with that actor, like they were amazing. Or like those costumes look amazing. Or that shot or that location. It just, it, it does give you a little bit of everything. Um, I think the one thing that stuck out to me the most that I just kept back, I kept going back and rewinding and rewinding was um, there's a, a very small moment with uh, Raban uh, mm-hmm. when he goes to talk to the Baron. And Dave Batista, who has been uh, to date in the marketing, at least like the beast is so like, like quiet and like, like calm and like, just kind of like seems to be, you can tell he's, that he's, he's, you know, maybe a little bit simpler compared to the Baron as far as, you know, what, what he's thinking. Um, and, but he hasn't had like any like rage necessarily. It's all kind of like just simmering underneath the surface. And then in this moment, it's like, whoa like dave batista is like acting his ass off <laughs> like wow um you'll have to see it um and it's funny because i actually it also jogged my memory about something else where uh david desmelchin was saying that while filming dune he was asked like is there anything that stuck out to like a specific moment and of course he he's not in a lot of scenes we know um he doesn't get to interact with the, the entire cast or anything but he said there was one moment with dave batista where it was just him and he was in close proximity to him and he's there's a scene with like the Baron and he was just like, there was this, what, what Batista did and then the energy and like how I felt like being near him as he was doing it. He was like, it was one of the most amazing uh, like experiences. And, I, and I, I have to believe, I think that this is that moment. Cause like it cuts to Piter for a second. He's just kind of like almost like flinching cause he's, he's so freaked out. Um, but yeah, all this, the Getty prime stuff looked incredible. The Fremen stuff looked incredible. Um, the Atreides stuff, there's more of that. We're getting a little bit more relations, relationship stuff, of course, between those characters. The Baron floating and his just mass and how tall and, and, and wide he is compared to everyone else. I'm just so excited. Like, I, I can't wait. Um, if they showed nothing else, I'd be, you know, perfectly fine. I'm sure they're going to show more stuff and I will absolutely watch it. Um, but yeah, this was great. I love this. Yeah. And to, to your point about uh, David's comments about uh, Batista's performance, I, I just love the fact that, like, you know, every time you talk to a different person and ask them who had the, the best performance, like they always name someone else. You know, you, we've had that with, with viewers, with, with the actors. I just feel like the, overall the, there was strong performances across the board. So it's, uh, it's really exciting to hear that difference, that it's not only people saying, oh yeah, Timothy Chalamet gave a standout performance, but you're, you're getting all, all the names. So everybody's getting a chance to, uh, to shine. So Simon, what, what stood out to you in this, uh, in this feature? Well, I think everyone brought up the good points. It is perfect for marketing. Here's what you need to know. As longtime fans, we're excited because we're like, oh, that's that scene where this happens or you know that part of the book. Also, for someone that's just going through YouTube or wanting to know more about Dune on social media, here's the breakdown. Here's the houses. You know, even the way it's cut, like I have it loop on my second monitor and I was watching it. The stuff with uh, Led Kynes, and it's just perfect. Like she's telling Euclido, take care of your family. Like that's, that's crucial. But yet you get the little moments. Batista is 
amazing. Like, I knew about Dave Bautista before 2049, and I'm surprised Johnny didn't bring this up, you know, is Guardians of the Galaxy, Drax, okay, ex-wrestler. But in 2049, you can see him act. Like, you actually feel bad for him and sad. Once again, it's the highlights of stuff we've seen, and some of it is from the IMAX showing that we saw. But it's also low clips, like when Paul and Jessica are talking with sign language, you know, little stuff that we know what it is and what it means to us. I'm just, I'm excited. And I was, as you were talking about the Gil also, I was like, as a kid, I would love to have Gil action figures and be like, make up a whole story with these guys. I hope that we're going to get a part two and then we're going to see more of the Gills. All right, Phil, McFarlane, make some Gil figures. Can we talk about that, uh, the Baron's mud bath, though? Like, oh, my God. It's downright frightening. In the book, what, what does he do? I'm, I'm trying to remember the details around what the Baron does. Yeah, there's some sort of cleaning. Someone might remember more than I can. But, yeah, there's something like that. I don't remember the bath explicitly. but yeah. We were talking about how there's no oil on Getty Prime. You know why? Because he's oil. Because <laughs> he's, he's oil. Uh, who needs bath bombs when you've got oil bombs? The Baron's outfit. I mean, it, I, I love the design of it. And then just the fact that he really does look enormous. And, and there has to be this sort of brooding, overwhelming feeling that the Baron has because he's such a memorable character from the book. So I think the design they've got, the makeup, uh, him, him floating on the suspensors, I think is, just looks fantastic in this featurette. And there was an interview with uh, with Skarsgård about how he's talking about the whole ordeal of, of like getting in the in the suit and getting all the all the makeup. So there's this amazing uh, uh, amazing work uh, all, all around there. And he talked about how the most important thing was the the presence of um, of the Baron. Like he he didn't have that many lines. You know, he he actually wasn't in the movie that much, and at least in his, his first part. Uh, I think it will be a lot more in, in the second part, but like just his appearance, as, as he was saying in this clip as well, just like brought this, this frightening uh, uh, presence and like how the, the others describe him as, as vicious and, uh, and sadistic. Um, so I think it's yeah really exciting to get get more of him. We we also saw the the scene where where he's with uh, with with Doctor Yui. Like I think that's going to be an important scene where uh, Doctor Yui has has delivered uh, Duke Leto to him, and it's going to be a crucial moment. So excited to see how that um, that plays out on on the scene. So I think yeah a lot of great great exposition from from the Harkonnens, and yeah it, amazing to see see more of uh, Yeti Prime. Like we we first we saw the the planet, and now we saw this the surface. Like it's a it's a dark, uh, nightmarish world, but practical in the, in the same way. I think they it did an amazing, uh, amazing job with that. You know what's funny is I totally forgot what Galesgard looks like without the makeup, because I've been looking at my figure and also just you know <laughs> images of him as the Baron. I'm like, oh yeah, he's not that big. <laughs> he's actually a normal looking dude. I, it's very strange. Like I, I kind of had forgotten that is like seeing him on the red carpet and, and in interviews and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, pretty jarring. Another thing that this feature does, which I think is really effective, is and we talked about this a little bit last time. Is when you can feel as a as a as a an audience, you can feel through this feature that these actors really love their characters. They really care about them. They they understand their characters to a to a very deep level. For me, that only instills confidence that 
they took this source material really seriously and, and they played these roles uh, to the best level of their acting interpretation as, as they could. So that was another aspect of, of having these actors talk about their characters in some detail that I, I really came away with. Again, as I've said before, I trust these people. I trust these creatives to take this book and, and make uh, a really effective and an enjoyable adaptation of this book. Yeah, and I think in terms of, um, like if there are people who are new to Dune or coming in, uh, like, you know, tr trying to understand what this movie is about, or like they're, they're still having doubts whether they're gonna, gonna see it again, you know, I would, I would definitely show them, show them this feature and the second trailer. I think between those, those two, it gives a really complete view of what, what the movie is about, introduces the, the main characters and gives understanding uh, what the story is. I, I really liked in the first section where they were talking about uh, House Atreides, where they, they really characterize uh, Duke, Duke, uh, Duke Leto, and you, you, you feel that he's a, he's a man who's really close to, the, to, the, to his people. Uh, I, I liked in the Venice Film Festival conference where Oscar Isaac was basically explaining that, you know, besides the fact that he happens to be a Duke, there, there's really nothing special about, about him. I mean, in another life, if it was a different situation, he could have been a pilot, and he, he is a great, great pilot that we'll see in this film with the piloting of the ornithopters or a, or a fisherman. But it's, it's basically, he, he's this, this, this normal, normal man that like many of us can relate to. He's, he's, he's noble, he's, he's popular, he's, he's, he's respected. Uh, but like he, he is just a, a normal, normal man, uh, flesh and blood. And there, there's uh, some quotes in the book that that relates to that as, as well. Uh, so I thought, yeah, it was a great introduction to the, to the character. Uh, one, one of the, the things that stood out to me, I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about it, but you, you, you had um, some exposition where uh, Duke Lido talking to, to Paul, his, his son, and explaining the, um, the situation where they are that, uh, you know, they're, they're very popular in, in the, in the Lansrod, like among the other noble houses and the emperor is, is, uh, is jealous of them. Uh, I was wondering like, yeah, it, was this type of exposition necessary? Like Johnny, what, what do you think? Like, did it make sense that they were, they were actually talking of this or could it, they have done this in a different way? Um, I don't remember, I don't remember the exact dialogue. I do remember something like that being mentioned. Um, and yeah, no, I think that that makes perfect sense, actually, because my um, I know, for example, my sister-in-law, who's deep into reading the book right now um, of her own volition, which is impressive and she's loving it, um, which is exciting. But she mentioned something I kind of had to talk to her about it because we, we discuss it like every time she has an update. And um, yeah, I think it's important to understand why they're getting sent to Arrakis. I think. And really, it does come down to the fact that the emperor is fearful and jealous, um, you know, to a degree of Duke Leto uh, and, and wants him uh, basically eliminated from the equation um, and is worried about him, like, consolidating power, potentially taking the throne, things like that, um, which is really, you know, there's not really any basis for that necessarily. It's almost like paranoia. Um, but I think mentioning that is important because that is really the the answer to why this is happening it's not just oh it's it's random or they're just going along with it because the baron wants him to go along with it there is an actual reason that the emperor is is choosing to do this um and conspire uh like they are yeah i did think it was an interesting choice that the way they did the exposition uh i mean it, for, for the audience it makes a lot of sense and i guess um yeah in in a way considering that maybe 
Duke Little, he he didn't talk as much to his son because he he's he's busy leading his people. So maybe it makes made sense that they were having that deep conversation at at that time. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting choice. Um, but it, but it's it's interesting that point because th there is a lot of paranoia on the part of the emperor because basically you have this this house of Atreides and they're they're in charge of one planet. You know, it's, a, it's an ocean planet. Their their main exports are uh, pundi rice and seafood, and they have some some gems. But uh, like most of all, it's because um, yeah, the, the unique characters of, of House Atreides that they they've shown their their honor. They, they've uh, they, they've uh, been uh, almost like a de facto leader in in some of the the important issues that uh, have uh, the Lanzarote have faced. That they have that that popularity and uh, and that that makes uh, the emperor and then of course uh, House of Harkonnens uh, hate them a lot. What what did you think about that new footage we, we got from the from the tent scene with uh, with Lady Jessica and Paul? Uh, I do remember what you're talking about. It is very brief, I think. Um, like it's not more than a few seconds like any of these other bits, but it is, I was struck by that part because we haven't really seen anything from inside the still tent yet, which is, uh, it's an important scene. It's like a pivotal scene. And it, it's, it's just a really cool design. First and foremost, I thought like, it looks like a cool little tent, like what you would imagine. Um, and, but Rebecca Ferguson, I mean, they're both like, again, Everyone's acting their asses off in this movie. It's awesome. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, she's like crying and and she's like trying trying to like lean over and like connect with Paul, um, who's very much like he's he's on his way out <laughs> at this point. Like he's not uh not really willing to engage. I feel, um, and she's talking about you know you're my son, you're you know Duke Leto's son. Um, I I think it's at this part where yeah, Paul's starting to mentally kind of uh cut away from from maybe some of his uh familial relationships or like just his his humanity maybe to an extent um as we're kind of he's uh awakening and and processing the death of his father and and um again that's a pivotal part in the book um so i'm lo really looking forward to that scene but yeah it's, we don't get to see much of it i'm glad that they kind of just showed a, a small snippet and gave us a taste i actually considered that part of the book the game changer of the whole first book, like without going full spoiler mode, it's one of my favorite parts because this is Hello Darkness, Paul. You know, this is where everything changes for for Paul. I think, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I love that we got a little bit of it. And the scene prior to that in the book always makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I hope I get that vibe when I'm watching the film. I'm really curious about how Denis come to the still sent, still tense scene. How is Denis going to convey to the audience this inward journey that Paul is having, this, this awareness that he's having about his prescience and his ability to, to see things that other people can't see? And, and so you know, we all know how David Lynch did it, right? It was it was very uh, psychedelic, you know, uh, with the hands and 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 you know the brain Eno music, and that's one way to do it. And and I actually quite like that way. But Denise is going to do it differently, and and I wonder uh, if that scene is kind of an allusion to you see Jessica and Paul interacting, and I wonder if it's these relationships because you've got like we keep pointing out, these are A-list actors. These, these, these people have incredible acting chops. 
their interaction could be the way that that Denis translates and communicates to us that that Paul is becoming more self-aware and aware of the universe around him and his ability, because that's a really important part of the book uh, that, that comes away, that comes through Frank Herbert's writing. But how do you translate that onto a onto a screen? So that'll be interesting for me to see. I think that's going to be a vision. I think the best way you can do it without making it campy or lynchy, I guess that might be a word now <laughs> for this show, um, is maybe Paul talking. And what I remember about the book, I think he even mentions to Lady Jessica that he's been having visions of something that he's afraid of. You know, maybe that is where we see some of the stuff that we see on Caliban, you know, the flash, flash forwards, flashbacks, you know, I think it's going to be done through visions and it might be just quick cuts. I don't think any of the visions are going to be long shots. I think they're the max is maybe a minute on each shot, but I think it's going to be quick to the point and it's going to make the internet go, Oh, I need to watch this and freeze frame it. And then, you know, YouTubers like Mr. Sunday movie will freeze frame it and talk about it for an hour for each shot. And we'll do that too. But um, I think visions are the best way to describe what happens to Paul at that moment. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I could definitely see it. I was going to mention that before you did, but I could see visions playing a role. I, you know, we don't know at this point how often the visions, you know, pop up um, exactly what is the vision, what isn't based on all the footage we've seen, because there has been a lot that you could kind of argue one way or the other. Um, but I could, I could certainly see this being one of the moments in the movie where visions do pop up. Because in in the book, he explicitly you know he says he sees these images in his head about what could what could come, what is to come, um, yeah. And so that that seems like a, a fitting, appropriate moment for it. But you know, if they don't have it, then I'm not going to be like surprised necessarily either. It was just it's tough to say. Yeah, the, the other thing that was uh, was really well done in this trailer was a characterization of uh, of House Harkonnen. We we haven't seen as much of them compared to House of Trades or, or the Fremen, like whether it was the early promotion materials or, or the other trailers. Uh, so here we got to see most of those scenes. We touched about, uh, you know, the, the beast getting uh, furious. Uh, but even, even though uh, the Baron doesn't say, say a lot, like the what he does say has a lot of impact. So uh, you see, even, even though Raban's furious about, you know, he's, he's lost his position there as, as governor of Arrakis, um, you, you have, uh, you know, the, the Baron, he, he's taking it in stride. He's like, where is a gift, not a gift. You know, he, he, he knows what's coming. He's, he's scheming, he's, he's planning. He, he, he's basically is, has, is already like thinking multiple steps uh, ahead. So I, and I hope we get to see more of that in, in part two as well about how the Baron is a, is a master when it comes to the, uh, the political realm of, um, um, you know, b betrayal, like uh, blackmail that, that he's, He's done it all, and he's able to out, outmaneuver his his enemies. Uh, so that's uh, that's quite exciting to see on screen. And then, of course, at the end, we we see more of the the Fremen. So it's it's basically that that whole narrative. We have here we have House Atreides. Here we have House Harkonnen. They've been um, ancestral enemies. They've they've had this feud going on for over ten thousand years. And then you have the Fremen, the, the native people of Arrakis, who are caught. 
uh, in between them. And then we're introduced to, to each of them, including uh, Chani, where it's, it's clear that she's going to be the, the guide to Paul as, as he comes into that world. Let's jump to the second story, uh, which is um, Dune actually had its, uh, its premiere in, um, in Paris on September 6th. And we got some nice, uh, a lot of nice, nice photos and uh, interviews uh, coming out of there. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, uh, one, one of the, the, the nice details. So we, we had talked about in one of the earlier um, shows about how um, um, Denis Villeneuve, he, he was first inspired by, by one of the covers of, of Dune, uh, so, uh, which was by the, art, art, um, the artist Wojciech uh, Sudmak. Uh, Simon, do, do you want to talk about that, uh, that mention that uh, Villeneuve made? So Denis, being Denis, being just the humble guy that he is, wanted to thank him because the artist, and I'm not even going to try pronouncing his name, good job, Marcus, um, on that, just wanted to say, hey, as a kid, when I was 14 years old, there was this book cover I saw, I picked it up, and now 40 years later, I'm here promoting and making a movie about it. It's it's a beautiful little tribute. I, I'm sure for the artist was like, something that he would have never imagined, you know, 40 years down the line, this book that he made a cover for is getting all this praise and also a big premiere in France. Like there was another interview. There's, there's been tons of interview between Venice, France and everything. Like Charlemagne said, you know, we we're grateful for this, especially during COVID right now. Like this is, crazy like I don't even think any other movies have been getting this much hype and premieres during COVID time yeah and then uh, uh, as uh, Simon was mentioning we got a lot more interviews so one of them was the um, interview with the French uh, talk show Quotidien um, and I want to give a shout out to uh, the YouTube channel French uh, Chalamet Translated uh, they kindly added the English subtitles to there, so that was uh, released today. So we, we got a chance to watch a video. Those of us who, who don't speak French uh, uh, fluently and understand a bit more, but of course, Simon, as a native speaker, you probably got a lot more of that video. So, what did you take away from from that uh, uh, that interview, which was uh, so, with with both uh, Denis and uh, Antimity? So, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my brother. My brother sends me this Facebook message, being like, "Hey, Timothy and Denis are going to be on." TV in France. My family lives in France. I live in Washington. Whatever, right? Uh, I'm like, cool. I'm sure it's going to be on the internet. Like, laugh out loud, LOL, right? 20 minutes later, my Facebook messenger rings with a video chat. My brother, for I guess the interview goes for almost 25 minutes, is FaceTiming me and holding his iPhone <laughs> to his TV so I can see it in live reaction. So my brother... I will give him mad props. He's the one that got me into Blade Runner. He's the one that got me into a lot of, you know, sci-fi stuff. Every time I mentioned Dune to him, he's like, eh, it's cool. It's, it's not my cup of tea. It's, I don't know. It's campy. The 84 Lynch movie. So now uh, I'll talk about the interview in just a minute. Today, he actually sent me pictures of him looking at book covers at a bookstore in France. So I'm hoping that he's going to pick <laughs> one up and actually read the book. Uh, the interview was great. It was, I'm not too familiar with this show, but apparently it's the equivalent of Jimmy Fallon in France. So it, it's a big deal. It was Timothy and Denis speaking all in French. Denis speaks, you know, Quebecois. 
French, but Xiaomi, like I've said before, the boy can speak French. The boy speaks perfect French. And it was interesting because there was little points like, did you guys speak French on set? And they did. Like, huh, I thought about that, but that was like random stuff. I'm like, would anyone else think of asking that? It was more down to earth, asking them about themselves than promoting the movie. Of course, they talked about how the movie was getting great reviews, how it was doing amazing you know, critics are loving it. But what I loved about the interview was the simple stuff, the Denis and Timothy relationship. Seeing kind of like, I hate using the Obi-Wan Anakin relationship, the mentor and disciple. And you know what? I just thought about this. I wouldn't be surprised in 20, 30 years if Timothy tries to direct something. I think Denis has awakened something in him for his love of filmmaking even more. But it was a nice little interview. I'm glad that you guys got to see the subtitle stuff and a lot of the behind the scenes footage that got leaked on the internet in the past couple of days is from that interview. And Garen, thinking about the interview or some of the, the new behind the scenes uh, footage that you saw there, what stood out to you most? Yeah, I love seeing this relationship that uh, Denis and Timothy have. I think somewhere uh, Denis mentioned that Timothy is is about the age of like his oldest children. I don't know how many children he has, but so, you know, I relate to that where you you really feel proud of your, your young adult child. And uh, he really is proud. You, you can see it in Denis' face uh, when Timothy is... Uh, discussing the movie and, and talking about his his journey in, in being Paul Atreides. So I think that's what I like the most. And I also love seeing Denis speak in French because I don't speak French, but he it feels like he's obviously he's French Canadian, right? So he's more uh, at home as he's as he's speaking in French, at least it appears that way to me. And and I, so I love seeing a little bit more about his uh, passion and and the way he describes how he feels about the film or how he feels about uh, Timothy's uh, acting ability and, and things. But I really like those behind the scenes shots. Those are, those are shots I haven't seen before. Uh, like these enormous cranes that are holding mm -hmm. these, you know, these, these ornithopter, you know, sets that are, are just massive. And we've heard the, uh, we've heard the actors talk about the fact that they're, they're, are hardly any green screens. They're they're actually acting in these enormous sets, which I think allows them to act more authentically. So um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I love seeing how uh, a non-American, another culture views this. Um, I know that Frank Herbert's book is enormously popular throughout the world. Uh, I, I don't know how many languages it's been translated into. It was like. 25 or 30 or something I can't remember but it's because these themes resonate it doesn't matter what country you're from and I like seeing that I like seeing it through the eyes of of the French audience movie going audience so um yeah great find gosh thank your brother again Simon honestly I, I really got a lot out of that and it just feels good to see another culture's excitement and obviously you know, uh, France would be uh, proud of Denis. He's French Canadian, but they probably consider him one of one of their own. 
And I just think that's cool to see. Sometimes. French French Canadians are not considered French most of the time. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, but it's okay. You know, going back to what you were saying about Denis and his kids and all that, on the playlist, they're talking about, like, favorite songs. And one of Denis' favorite songs is a Leonard Cohen song. And Timothy just looks at him, and he's like, my dad listens to that, too. (laughs) So, um, and something that the announcer was saying, the host, was Timothy is very much, and this made me happy as a film fan, and especially this kind of filmmaking, he called him the French New Wave slash Hollywood actor. And that's a big compliment coming out of like France, especially the French New Wave was the truthful era. And that's my favorite filmmaking of all time. So thinking about him as kind of like the indie darling and now a little bit of Hollywood. It was nice seeing that. If people get a chance, it is available with subtitles thanks to that YouTube channel. And it's just something really nice. It's not them over-marketing the movie, promoting it. They are. They're there to promote the movie, obviously. But seeing them, their genuine self. And I just... Love the fact that they they shot this you know in real locations all over the world. It was wasn't just the desert of Jordan, but they they, they were also in in Hungary and in Norway. So that so they got plenty of real location shots that, that we saw a few of them. Um, yeah, and also the the fact that uh, you know everybody was was there. You know they, they didn't just like train train people in in LA and then like have the actors perform, but actually they brought uh, for example the, the fight instructor R- Roger Yuan. Like uh, they showed him in one of the clips, like he was actually like teaching the the Fremen how to how to fight. Uh, Johnny, I want to hear what else uh, you thought about those uh, behind the scenes clips. Yeah, it was kind of limited, like not a lot of new shots, but the ones that we got were really cool and, and not really anything that we'd seen before, I don't think. Um, you you mentioned, yeah, Roger Yuan, uh, fight coordinator. He, well, yeah, he was right there in the rocks <laughs> out in Jordan and, and Wadi Rum, uh, which is really awesome to see uh, that, you know, he was fully engaged in there with them. Um, also, there was a moment, a pretty cool moment with Dave Batista and uh, a couple other like Harkonnen soldiers and they're like talking and then like he like they both like laugh and like it was just really weird to see them like acting normal and acting like uh, you know human beings um but it was cool to, i feel like so much of the stuff we've seen is very like for such a kind of what a movie that can be very heavy and 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 epic and serious like the it seems like the atmosphere is always very like almost like jovial and like light and like they, you know, they did the work that they needed to do, but it was never like to it, you know, a negative degree. I think, uh, you know, the actual atmosphere, which is good. Um, a couple others that really stood out, of course, that, that I shared and like talked about. Um, there is one where they're in the desert and uh, they are doing the harvester sequence and they have the actual, um, you know, ornithopter like full size, like it's huge. Um, and they brought like this huge crane out into the desert to lift it into the air. Um, and I'm, I, I, we saw this sequence once in the IMAX, um, you know, event, but I'm going to be curious going back and seeing it a second time with all the context and knowledge that we have now of like how they actually did it, like really realizing like, okay, that was, they were really like up in the air there. They were, you know, actually shooting this in the cockpit or down the ramp coming out. Um, some really, really cool stuff there. And also in that shot, while the thopters like lifted up in the air by the crane, you have the, the people down below and the size of the craft like above them and then of course way in the background you also have 
part, the practical part that they built of the harvester, which is like this massive like tread that it runs on. Um, and it's like, I mean, 15 feet tall, probably. It just towers over the people like that you can see. Um, and it almost, you would almost think that they'd use like a miniature or something for that, but nope, it's <laughs> like this actual thing that they brought out into the desert. Um, and then the last thing was to go with those other practical things that we've just talked about the courtyard scene with the palms that we, you know, we were mentioning at the top of the show or talking about, they actually, those are real trees that they actually really had on fire and like in flames um, with a bunch of actors like in the courtyard. Um, and who knows how long they had to, you know, sustain, you know, that burn, which is really impressive. Uh, a lot of stuff went into that. And the special effects I think have just been amazing and just further evidence of, of all the effort and, and thought process that had to go into it to actually pull this stuff off is really, again, mind boggling. And I can't wait to see it all like in the, you know, the final film and to also read more after the fact and in the art, the art and soul book, I'm sure is going to have a lot of details about that as well. So um, yeah, really impressive stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure this won't be the last that we see. Yeah. yeah and I, I love to hear about the Denise biggest challenge uh, with, with adopting Dune. I think we sort of got some some hints for that in earlier footage, but most of all, it was, it was Timothy's hair. You know, it was just like so difficult to manage you know, at all those those different scenes. So uh, yeah, it was, it was good that the truth uh, truth came out. Hey, Marcus, you're the closest one to have the Timothy hair right now out of all of us. That's true. So. <laughs> but let's jump into our uh, third uh, topic for today. Um, we actually got more uh, Dune movie posters. So I'm going to start with you, Simon, because you've been really critical about some of the re recent posters. So now we got the real 3D poster and the IMAX poster. What did you think of these? I was critical on those Mountain Dew Baja Listerine <laughs> posters prior. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, I was. That's why I tweeted to you guys. If you know, you know, with that picture of the Mountain Dew. Um, I love these. They feel like Arrakis. They feel like a desert. They're beautiful. They're like, I'm like, well, crap, I kind of want one of these now. Like, I love the IMAX one we have because, you know, it was our first Dune interaction. They're gorgeous. And once again, the sky, I mean, the size of Paul, I'm imagining that's Paul, you know, I'm pretty sure, compared to the planet. And it's showing the scale, like, you need to see this in IMAX. This is a movie that's made for IMAX. Now, I really, really understand Denis when he's like, okay, cool, HBO Max, thanks. But you really need to go see this in the theater. And it's not just for box office numbers. Sure, all that helps. But this movie is designed for IMAX. Like, I'm sad that we get to see it on HBO Max. Like, I have a 55-inch TV behind me. That's great, but it's not going to be IMAX. I am going to go see it. I really want to go see it in 3D. I really want to go see it in normal IMAX. And I kind of want to see a normal, like every version I can to give my best interaction. And what we've seen at the IMAX preview, I was thinking about it. That 3D, if it's done right, holy crap, it's going to look gorgeous and very engaging so the posters kudos they don't look like listerine they don't look like mountain dew they look like what dune should feel like yeah so let's see if we're going to have agreement so garen did you like these posters yeah i loved them um i actually i actually like uh, not only the color scheme but 
but the diminutive nature of, of Paul against just this overwhelming background. Um, you guys, I, I, I wanna live in a world where this movie is, is, a, is a social phenomena where there isn't a question as to whether I'm seeing this on an IMAX screen or not. It, it, it's almost as if, oh, did you see, did you see Dune? Yeah, but did you see it on an IMAX? Because it's it's really made for that kind of experience. So um, I, I know that in, in past episodes, and, and we could even talk about it now, this this uh, decision by Warner Brothers to, to do the HBO Max thing in the U.S. But I, I just I I I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that that's just going to fade into the background because it's gonna bring people back to the theater in a way that you want to experience this movie that way. So that, that's kind of what those posters say to me. And, and I know it might be subtle on the part of the marketing department, but it, it's, not, it's not being lost on me. I, I just think this is how we'll want to see this film on a big, huge screen. Yeah, yeah, and totally agree. And I, I definitely think that they, they are leaning to, into that, that you know, to get the, the full, the best possible experience, you should be seeing this in, in IMAX or uh, Real 3D. And I, and I, I really hope that as much people as possible get, get to see that. Uh, I do want to want to state though that it, I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is that people see the movie. So while I want like everybody, you know, if they have the opportunity, go see it on IMAX. You're going to get potentially one of the best cinematic experiences, at least based on what we've we've seen so far. But if that's not an option, just see it wherever you can. Like most of all, this is a story that that you shouldn't miss. Uh, Johnny, I want to ask you two things. First of all, which format are you going to try to see this in first? <sighs> Um, I feel like it's probably going to be IMAX just because it was filmed for IMAX and they have been pushing that format so much. Um, and that's usually what I'm most familiar with and have watched the most. And, uh, most other blockbusters, if anything comes out, I usually go and see it in IMAX just cause that's like the go-to and the, the most accessible format, but Dolby is a great one as well. And I fully intend to see it, um, multiple times in Dolby probably. So. Yeah, and then um, the, the fact that we're we're still getting all these these new uh, new featurettes, uh, trailers from the different countries, new posters are coming out of the week every week. Uh, how long do you think this this can keep going? Do you think we're going to keep getting new content until it releases in the U.S., or do you think it's going to sort of quiet uh, quiet down in a, in a few weeks? Yeah, I do. I really do think we're going to have a continuous flow. Um, it may not be like quite the deluge that we're having now, just because it is so constant, at least the last couple of weeks, because they knew they were building up to the premiere. Um, they knew now that we're building up to the European release. Um, so you have these premieres, you have the film festivals, Venice, TIFF, New York later this month. Um, the, yeah, the reason we're getting these posters right now, you know, over well over a month before the US release is because it's releasing in Europe and they're gonna wanna use these posters to advertise, maybe like give some of them away, things like that. Um, so that's important. That explains why. I'm sure we'll still get the same treatment here, you know, next month. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you go to an IMAX screening or something like that, they do give away, like we had at the, the IMAX event, they give away little posters or they have like a big one, like up on display. Um, that's kind of like par for the course. But also I think what they're really going to lean into going forward from here is what we'll see is TV spots, I think are going to be a big deal. Um, especially in the US, that's where a lot of the advertising comes in, I think especially now that we have so many reviews piling in and we will have more in the next few days, TV spots with, you know, 
the quotes pulled and the ratings and the stars and all that, that's going to be a, you know, a big deal. Um, you'll also have here in the U S I'm sure we'll have, um, you know, inter more interviews, TV show interviews, you know, night, you know, talk show interviews, day talk show interviews. Um, we also know that like, for example, IGN, we should have something new from them every other week going forward. And then potentially, I think we might be getting something new tomorrow. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but that's just one example of an outlet that has said they're going to be going all the way and having new stuff for us up until October 22nd. So, yeah, I think it'll be a decent, decent flow. Um, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy getting some of this stuff now just because the European release has lined up the way it is. I think these posters look awesome. Um, the colors are excellent. The the design is excellent. Everything about it is visually, you know, engaging. I think that's important, especially, you know, there has been some critique of uh, the other ones as, as Simon rightfully pointed out. So um, yeah, no, I really, really like the look of these. And uh, there seems to be, again, a kind of like a synergy there. There's a similar color and there's similar design elements to them. Um, so yeah, really, really happy. And I can't, I just can't wait to uh, hear more reactions from TIFF because that's happening on Saturday. They're going to have the IMAX premiere and then Next week, of course, the European uh, release is going to be starting out. So we'll hear box office numbers. And uh, I mean, that's most important. Um, but then also, of course, more reviews, more reactions, things like that. So, guys, as we were talking about the HBO Max, I have the Christmas present. Do you open it at midnight if you can't see Dune on Thursday night screening? Or do you wait until Friday afternoon or whenever you get tickets? If you have HBO Max, is your first yeah. experience at home or do you wait and not sleep if you can't get Thursday night tickets? Because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, it is a true existentialist question. Like, <laughs> crap, do I, do I open my Christmas gift now or do I wait until the morning? Yeah, because I know what you're kind of referring to is I know at least the HBO Max releases the way they've been working is at the latest, I think like 3 a.m. I don't know if it's local time or Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. or what, but that's when you can go on and watch it, like the day that it's coming out. So you would be able, yeah, you'd be able to watch it in your home on HBO Max before you know theaters even open for the day potentially. So um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of a dilemma. I'm I'm certainly gonna wait. I think at this point, like I can wait. Um, I can wait and, and see it on the big screen for the first time and whether it's a few hours or maybe I will get to see it early on a you know Thursday or even potentially earlier than that. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be ideal. And I think, uh, might be the, you know, the tough move, but the right. Move. So Simon, I, I I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I mean, I'm usually honest with you guys, but that would be really tempting for me. <laughs> it's like facing down your demons. It's like, I would really want to go play that on my big screen and with the surround sound, you know, but I think because I am accountable to you guys and I got to talk to you guys about it, I would wait to go see it on the IMAX because <laughs> I, I couldn't bear the shame of saying, no, nah, I, I caved, guys. I watched it on a smaller screen. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm hoping that that uh, you know I'll be able to get uh, the the screening on the on the day of uh, premiere. So I'm trying to uh, arrange something potentially uh, for, for the for the group at least uh, those of us around here. But um, yeah, let, let's let's say if, if it doesn't work out or if the situation is is there, yeah, it's it's going to going to be really tempting because you know of course I'm going to want to see the movie as soon as it com comes out. Uh, so if if I have to wait wait several days, I think uh, that they'll they'll be uh, uh, hard hard to to wait on that. 
you know, I call it the Christmas present question. Like, <laughs> do you open your present on the night before or do you wait? I honestly don't know. And I think, I don't know. Ask me, ask me on the 25th what I did. <laughs> I mean, Simon, can you look Denis in the eyes and say, I watched it on no. a small screen, even though I knew you wanted me to watch it on an IMAX. <laughs> I feel like I would get grounded. <laughs> okay, guys, let's uh, jump to our uh, fourth and last uh, story. Just going to touch on this uh, this quickly. I think, mean, as we've hinted to, uh, to earlier, we're getting a lot of materials, but of course, there's going to be a lot of interviews with the with both the director and and the stars, and hopefully more of the crew, because I think they, they also have a lot of uh, things to say. Uh, so uh, Zendaya was uh, on the cover of uh, Vogue uh, UK magazine for for this month. Um, she she talked a little bit about uh, about Dune and also a lot of other stuff that, that's going on. And it was a great interview that gives insights into the type of person she is. Uh, but just in terms of the the, the Dune part, uh, it's interesting that from the beginning, like before they were even looking to cast people, uh, Zendaya had become aware of that, you know, they were working this project and that Villeneuve was involved, uh, Timothy Chalamet was there, and this is before she had uh, had met him. And uh, she really wanted to get in, involved. Like, so from the beginning, she was determined, she, she wanted to get that role and she auditioned uh, for that. And uh, yeah, she, she was really convincing uh, with that role. So I wanted to, to read actually a quote uh, that they got from for Villeneuve from that interview. And uh, he said, uh, I remember meeting uh, Chani for the very first time when Zendaya made me believe that she had been raised on an alien planet in a deep desert in the roughest environment. We all know Zendaya is a brilliant actress, but I was particularly amazed by the high precision of her acting skills, her intelligence, her graceful patience, and her great generosity. She's one of the pr most professional artists I've ever worked with. So yeah, really high, uh, high praise from the um the director over there so yeah that, that was a nice interview so def definitely uh check that out um you know i wanted to just make a, a comment about uh zendaya i i really have not seen her i know she has an hbo show that uh i've, I've read some really amazing reviews about uh, particularly her acting ability um but i i'm not as familiar with her so um yeah I noticed in some of the the Venice interviews, she was only on set for just a few days. She she wasn't a part of that sort of family that that Timothy talks about that he felt you know wrapped around when he when when everybody showed up uh, at, at the uh, whether it was Abu Dhabi or or wherever they were, and and so it's interesting that it almost feels like in the interviews that she's a little bit of a uh, a latecomer to the whole thing a little bit. Like she doesn't quite have the same breadth of experience that the other actors have. Um, but but I, I have seen a couple of interviews where she is, at least according to her words, she is super excited about this. I mean, she, she feels honored to be a part of it. And I know sometimes actors just say that stuff. Um, so I don't know her well enough to know how authentic she's being with that. But it feels like there was some real... Uh, acting chemistry between Timothy and Zendaya. And I, I think that's really important for the film, but I'm really excited to see uh, her not only in part one, but part two, because uh, everyone really believes she's an incredible actress. And I, I want to believe that too. And I, and I want to experience it. So. Yeah. I'm not as familiar as some other people about Zendaya. Honestly, I think the only thing I've seen her in is the Spider-Man movies as well. 
Yeah. Um, I am, you know, not uh, familiar with her film roles really much at all. I have, you know, I've seen her in Spider-Man, of course, but um, I mean, this is really, you know, this is going to be a small, you know, role with regards to actual screen time for this part one. Um, but, but I mean, when all is said and done, this could be her biggest movie role just because she has the opportunity to be a massive lead in the second movie. And, you know, um, you know, Shia willing, we get a third one, do Messiah like adaptation. She would be a major player in that as well. So she would be, I mean, and she would have some major scenes to do as well. And would really, you know, if we, as we pointed out in the past, um, have a, a chance to show off her, her chops. I know I have seen uh, Euphoria, her show on HBO. I'm a huge, huge fan of that show. I love that show. I've watched the first season a few times now and the, the second season they're filming and will come out, I think probably sometime next year. Um, so she has the goods. She won an Emmy for Euphoria, um, which, you know, take awards, you know, for what you will, but she deserved it and she was amazing. And uh, I, I totally think she can bring that pedigree to this role even if she doesn't have to do anything too big or, or showy or dramatic in this first movie, we can already tell there's a magnetic presence that she brings. We've seen that in the trailers and stuff. And I think that, uh, yeah, she has a big opportunity here and this could be a, you know, a franchise for her to, uh, to be in. And she, so far, I think that she's got more attention and, you know, or just as much attention for this and talk about this as she has for being in Spider-Man, which is, you know, kind of funny and, and mary jane is you know not a huge role or mj um she hasn't been given a lot to do in those yet we'll see what happens with this third movie that's coming out you know shortly after dune comes out but dune is a really big opportunity for her. and of course she's working with denis villeneuve like one of the biggest most successful uh, accomplished you know highly regarded directors in the world you know no disrespect to john watts who do, does the spider-man movies but there's really there's no comparison there so getting to work with him, I think, again, was a big reason she was interested and a big reason why this could be massive for her and her career going forward too. Yeah, and that was our show. Uh, thanks everybody. Um, so we look forward to bringing you more movie news in the in the coming weeks as well. And of course, we're gonna have, uh, Dune is gonna be in theater. So there's gonna be a lot to talk about. So let's uh, start with you, Johnny. Where can you be found on social? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Johnny Sobchak on Twitter. Uh, is definitely the main spot for me. Uh, but you can find me at any other platform too, for the most part. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening, supporting. Uh, really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to next time. Karen? Find me on Twitter at Dune Companion and at DuneCompanion.com. Simon? Um, I want to say thank you once again to everyone that watches, comments, and I also want to say to my little nephew, apparently going to go see it next week in France, <laughs> I'm going to send him a little Instagram message the day after, and just with the word, so, what did you think? <laughs> and I'll let you know what he thinks. Um, but you guys can find me on social media, it's S. Dowdy, my first initial, and then my last name. And this is Marcus Gabriel, your editor at DoNewsNet.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DoNewsNet. See you all next week. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DoNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.